Lunch with Pippa Hudson on Cape Talk. Join the conversation. Really interesting topic in legal talk today as we contemplate the question of whether grandparents have any rights at all when it comes to the care of or interaction with their grandchildren and for that matter whether they have responsibilities in the eyes of the law. It is a conversation sparked by a listener's quite sad personal story which we will share in a minute but it really opens up a broader conversation about whether there are in fact any legal rights which grandparents hold over decision making around their offspring's offspring. And to help us understand the issue from a legal point of view we've turned to FWB which I believe is not just South Africa but Africa's oldest law firm. Not Africa's oldest lawyer with us in studio though it's lovely to have Sherry Breslaw from their family law department in studio with us. Welcome. Thanks Papa, lovely to be here with you. Before we look at our listener case study Sherry I think let's just deal with some of the broad strokes here. Does the South African law actually specifically address the issue of grandparents directly at all? It's not directly addressed Papa but fortunately the Children's Act does make reference uh, in section 23 of it specifically to any person who has an interest okay. in the welfare of minor children and that of course would extend to grandparents as well among others. And would that be with regard to rights or responsibilities or both? Well actually both okay. both because in for example in relation to maintenance matters they have um, at times been well, there's been significant case law where grandparents have, in fact, been taken to court because the parents of that child, that particular child or grandchild, um, weren't able to maintain that child, and you have the right then to approach the grandparents on either side. Um, for maintenance order if mm. the grandparents have the ability to contribute toward that child's maintenance. So it definitely does extend to both rights and responsibilities. You know, you've reminded me of several years ago now, speaking to a mother who had won such a maintenance case, having fought yes. tooth and nail through the yes. courts to try and get maintenance out of the father. Yes. She eventually gave up and went... Uh, to to his parents and the court mm. ruled in her favor. Mm. So it's a, it's a very pertinent one to remind us of. Um, that's not to say that the courts can just willy nilly allocate, um, care and guardianship to a grandparent automatically if something happens to a parent, for example. No, no, absolutely not. And the rights of grandparents are not what we would call automatic rights. Okay. So the court would have to firstly take cognizance first and foremost of the best interests of the children in particular. So if, for example, um, you had the awful circumstance where uh, you know, parents were both deceased um, and they had a relationship with the grandparents, those grandparents could absolutely go to court, whether it's the High Court or the Children's Court, for orders authorising them to take those children into their care. But the overriding principle, Papa, is always that one has to consider the best interests of the children. So if, for example, those children had no relationship with the grandparents, but perhaps a good relationship with an aunt or uncle, they may have a better uh, an opportunity to, okay. to ex- you know, to enforce those rights. So it's very much dealt with on a case-by-case basis. Um, I've had, strangely enough, two matters that I assisted grandparents with, both on a pro bono basis. We were approached by the Legal Practice Council where um, we assisted grandparents in both circumstances um, to, to have care orders where their grandchildren were placed in their care under really awful circumstances mm-hmm. where those where those children um, were being abused and um, it was really very nice outcomes in both in both matters um, so there are very very much you know it's, there, there are definitely circumstances where the courts will take into consideration all of the surrounding circumstances in order to make 
whatever order is being sought. Okay. Let me share with you a little bit of what our listener wrote in, to, which basically is what got us talking about this, this, this subject today. It is, um, they've asked to remain anonymous, completely understandably given the sensitivity of the case. So, I'll just call them Martin and Kate for the sake of, 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 of um, expediency. They are grandparents to a young child, Sherry, mm-hmm. uh, about whose well-being they're very concerned. They yes. are not the only grandparents. The child currently lives with the child's mother and the other grandparents. Um, and their son was the father of the child, but he has since um, passed away, having never been married to this child's mother. So they – and – they contacted me to say, look, we acknowledge that all four of the grandparents have got a close relationship with the child. They are all helping, contributing financially to ensure that the child is taken care of. The other set of grandparents do most of the daily childcare labor, if you want to call it that, around lifts to school and feeding and bathing, etc., because the mother is away from home a lot of the time. Their concern is specifically around the mother's ability to care for the child in the long term. There is a known drinking problem. There is possibly a drug abuse problem as well. And Martin basically wrote in to ask what, if anything, can be done to protect this child against the risk potentially of future abuse. Mm. A very difficult one. Obviously, um, um, Martin was very clear in his email to say nobody is suggesting we should be taking the child away from an existing parent. But I would guess they're thinking long term as well yes. when grandparents are no longer there to pick up the slack. Yes. What then becomes of, of the child? Very complex case. And obviously, um, Sherry, I can't ask you to, to diagnose and give a legal ruling on air. Mm. But do you want to maybe speak to some of the broad um, issues that that case raises? So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, if, if they came to me and for advice, I think the first thing that I would possibly suggest to them and obviously not having really any insight into the nuts and bolts of it but the first thing that I would suggest is the possibility of approaching the court to conduct some kind of investigation um, into the living circumstances into the mom's ability to parent basically into all the issues that they have concerns around mm-hmm. um, and one can do that as I said previously either through the high court or through the children's court what they will then do is either in the children's court they'd appoint a social worker in the high okay. court they'd appoint the family advocates office um, it's not a difficult process to to initiate um, you know, the children's court is very much a, a people's court. So they, okay. they are very much geared to assisting members of the public who perhaps cannot afford legal representation. The high court, it's a little bit more tricky. Mm. It is better to approach the high court with an attorney uh, assisting you. Um, and they would then, the court would usually then direct that there be at least some sort of investigation in order to make some kind of preliminary determination as to is the child at risk, is there the potential for future risk, and it's not to say that once that assessment is complete, the matter is is then closed. You know, our courts very much are guided by the principle that when it comes to children, the doors of the court are never closed. So even if they make a determination now, if the grandparents then have another concern in two years time there's nothing precluding them from time to time going back to court and saying you know what mom was fine now she's fallen off the wagon or we've got other concerns in relation to the child so you know one can one can one can do it on an ongoing basis you can have a social worker appointed to the case where and you periodically come back to court every six weeks sorry six months eight months whatever the case may be um, and that to me would probably be the best way to start in a situation like this. 
I'm really intrigued by what you said about looking at the potential for future risk because the one thing that worried me reading this was was imagining if they were to ask the, you know someone to look at it right now, a social worker might go, well, this child is housed and fed yeah. and in education yeah. and being looked Especially after. Especially if the grandparents are around, yeah. the, the maternal grandparents. But how do you mitigate against something that might or might not happen in the future? Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the courts generally will only look at the situation as it stands. Okay. It's no good saying, oh, I foresee there may be a problem. Let's preempt that. Not very easy to do something mm. like that. So that's why they make provision for you being able to go back again right. and again and again. So if you come to court and you say, this is the problem now, let's deal with it, they will do that. If you come to court and say, I foresee there may be a problem in the future, they're not necessarily going to be that quick to, to shift things around. Mm-hmm. The question is always going to be, is that child at risk now? And how do we assist with that? Okay. So... That's the way the courts generally follow things when they are child-related. You deal with the situation. Now, I often have clients who come to me and say, you know, I'm worried about what's going to happen in five years' time. I'm worried about if the mom is going to remarry. How is the child going to get on with the stepfather? Mm. You know, those types of things. You can't you can't preempt these things. We don't have crystal balls. And things change, particularly yeah. with children. Circumstances change. Um, parents' circumstances change. So... It's very fluid and it's very mm. flexible, and, and our courts take cognizance of that. Just for those who might have joined us late to the conversation, our guest in studio is Sherry Breslaw from the Family Law Department at legal firm FWB, talking about the issue of whether grandparents have any legal rights and or responsibilities towards their grandchildren. I believe we've got a question that's come through as a voice note, which I think we've got time to fit in before we say goodbye. Let's take a listen. Hi, Pippa. Just a quick question for your guest regarding the maintenance. Would that apply if um, the one party is a, a not a South African citizen? Um, for instance, if there was a, um, per, for instance, the husband wasn't paying the maintenance, um, would that then also be applicable towards the grandparents that would potentially be in the UK? Just a, uh, yeah, interesting to know if, if that would be something as well, or is that purely for South Africa? Has that ever been tested as far as you know, Sherry? So um, it doesn't actually matter where the individuals are, but it makes it that much harder mm. to um, enforce. So if, for example, um, you've got a mom living here with a child and the father's living in the UK, as long as our courts have jurisdiction over that child and the court that has jurisdiction over the child is where the child is living, um, that court can still make an order against either a parent or potentially a grandparent. So to answer your question, it doesn't matter, you know, whether they're South African citizens or not. What matters is the biological link, mm-hmm. uh, biological or court-based link, yeah, you know, if you're not talking. Exactly. Yeah. But but where it becomes tricky is enforcing it. So say you get an order against the grandparents, but they're sitting in the UK. There's a piece of legislation called the Reciprocal Enforcement of Maintenance Orders Act. It's quite a mouthful. Mm. But basically it allows you to enforce a court order overseas provided the other country is a party to that legislation. It's a bit of a process. You often have to go through diplomatic channels. It can take time. But I know a lot of people who've got it right. I don't particularly know if people have got it right with grandparents, but I don't see why it couldn't extend to that because they have an obligation. So as long as there is a legal obligation, I don't see why it can't be enforced. Albeit with a lot of red tape involved. Albeit with a bit of difficulty, yes. 
So just to, to circle back to where we started, Sherry, although the law may not specifically allocate rights and obligations to grandparents, what you've told us about the Children's Act is that they do well exist as an interested party to a, a child's well-being. Now, you've mentioned High Court and Children's Court. I think a lot of people not that familiar with Children's Court. In closing, how do you actually access it? If somebody listening to this is thinking, well, that's the route I should try, what's the first step? Very easy to access it, Papa. In every magistrate's court, there is a children's court. In the same way that in every magistrate's court, there's also a maintenance court and a domestic violence court. So basically, you have to go to the magistrate's court um, in your area in which you live. You go to the clerk of the court. They are generally very helpful. Um, and they have various forms that you would need to fill out depending on what it is that you want to ask the court to assist you with. They will help you to um, fill it out and then they will basically allocate you a court date and then you take it from there. So it's not a difficult process to follow. And is it an expensive process to follow? So if you don't have an attorney, it costs you nothing. Hmm. So using our courts is free. Where it becomes expensive is where you have a legal representative that assists you. Whose time obviously has got to be paid for. Fair enough. Well, speaking of which, thank you so much for your time today. Sherry Breslow, it's been a pleasure having you with us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. Sherry is uh, from the Family Law Department at legal firm FWB. And uh, if you want to share this with anybody, please do look for the podcast. You are very welcome to pass it along to anybody you think it might, uh, might be helpful to.